Welcome to the Celtics Pod. I'm Eric Vandenbosch. First Celtics Pod in uh, two weeks. I had to take a week off because, uh, you know, not a whole lot going on. We are in the uh, we are in the off season right now. And initially, I thought, you know, there won't be a lot to talk about in the off season. But then all this stuff happened. You know, uh, trading for Kyrie Irving. It was already a pretty exciting off season. Then they trade for Kyrie Irving, and then it kind of picks up from there. You know, stuff to talk about. But then it kind of slows down a little bit again. And uh, I think I mentioned before that I'm awfully obsessed with fantasy football as well. I'm going to focus on that pretty hard. And uh, last podcast, I was talking about how I was worried about my fantasy matchup for that weekend. I am happy to report that I did win that fantasy matchup. I also won the following week, so uh, things are looking good for me. I am 2-0. and I'm in two leagues. I know it's like two is really not that much. I know a lot of guys who are like, you know, some of these experts are like in a dozen leagues. You know, and then there are some other, you know, folks who aren't like, you know, they're not like fantasy experts or anything like that. They're just normal fantasy players like me. And they're in a bunch of leagues. So I guess two leagues ain't that difficult to deal with. It ain't a lot, you know, but I got the league of record, you know, which I named 28-3 fantasy. I thought that's pretty snazzy. That's after uh, Patriots trailing in the Super Bowl 28-3 to the Atlanta Falcons. I thought that was a pretty sweet name. Came up with pretty, pretty proud of myself. Name a team Roger that after uh, Roger Goodell. But uh, matchup this weekend, though, versus uh, Mark Paulette from 92 on the ticket. He's on the air in the afternoon. And it's important that I beat Mark because Mark always seems to say things that get under my skin. Like, Mark just drives me crazy. It's not that he's good at fantasy trash talking. It's just that, like, he always just... I don't even know if it's intentional, but like when I talk fantasy with him, he just ticks me off. So it's support that I beat him. Not feeling overly confident about it this weekend because I got so many difficult matchups. I got uh, Dak taking on Arizona, got uh, Dez taking on Arizona, going up against Patrick Peterson, got Jason Witten taking on Arizona. Also have Delaney Walker. He's playing Seattle, so that's another tough matchup. Got Alshon Jeffrey going against the Giants, which is a brutal matchup, especially if Janoris Jenkins is healthy. Even if he's not, it's still a difficult matchup. Got Leonard Fournette taking on uh, Baltimore. So it's like I'm just meant to lose this week. But I had some tough matchups the first two weeks also because uh, had some first first couple matchups were difficult, I thought, too, because I had some brutal matchups, especially with like Dak and Dez. But somehow I came out of the first two weeks 2-0, and so my team surprised me. Hopefully I'll do that again this week. Uh, Celtics basketball, probably should get to talking about that. I hope I don't upset people going on and on about fantasy football. And like, Eric, if I want to listen to another fantasy podcast, and there are a million to choose from, if I want to listen to one of those, I'll go find one. Uh, big news is Carmelo Anthony going to Oklahoma City. Carmelo Anthony playing for the Thunder uh, reports of Saturday of a trade uh, accepted between OKC and the Knicks. Ennis Canner, Doug McDermott, and a 2018 second-round pick going to the New York Knicks in exchange for Carmelo Anthony. Uh, so, you know, naturally, all those stupid articles are going to sh- show up on, you know, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Who won the trade? Who won the trade? Uh, Knicks obviously get the best player in the deal. Uh, or excuse me, uh, OKC does, and the Knicks, you know, getting less than equal value in return. But Carmelo Anthony had all the had all the leverage, you know, and he, he had a no trade clause. I mean, that was 
that was the deal. He wants out, and you can't really send him to wherever you want to send him and say, hey, sorry, buddy, we're going to send you to a lousy team. You have a no-trade clause, and we're just going to try and get as many pieces as we can to rebuild. Uh, that, that wasn't the case because of the no-trade clause, so he could kind of like, you know, pick and choose where he wanted to go. He initially said that he wanted to go to Houston, and, you know, he was, you know, pretty serious about that. He wanted to go to Houston. He wanted to play with uh, Chris Paul, wanted to play with the bearded one. You know, that would have been a good situation for him. Uh, that wasn't working out, though, so he had to expand his list of teams. Uh, the, the list included OKC, also included the Cavaliers. So, you know, if he had gone to the Cavaliers, obviously that would have made things more difficult for the Celtics, just having another another guy who can put up points, another guy who can score points for that basketball team. You know, maybe kind of act as like... Uh, Another scoring option outside of uh, LeBron James, especially you know while Isaiah is rehabbing, while he's trying to get healthy, however long that would take. Uh, but it brings an end to a very turbulent tenure for Carmelo Anthony as a member of the New York Knicks. Melo wanted out. Uh, new GM Scott Perry, team president Steve Mills, they wanted to move on. Uh, they made it clear that they wanted to rebuild they wanted to rebuild with youth and defense, wanted to rebuild around Kristaps Porzingis. And obviously, Carmelo Anthony is not your guy if you want to rebuild around youth. I mean, Carmelo is in his 30s. He's 33 right now. You know, want to rebuild with uh, defense. Carmelo Anthony doesn't play good defense. So not exactly the piece to rebuild around, obviously. Um, but Carmelo... You know, I mean, it's it's good for OKC. Gives them another score on that basketball team. That he has been criticized. Uh, he has been criticized for several parts of his game. You know, especially people labeling him as a guy who is more focused on himself and more focused on manufacturing points for himself rather than creating shots for his teammates. You know, some people have criticized him as somebody who prioritizes money over winning. And he certainly didn't win anything in New York. He was there for six full seasons. He took them to the playoffs three times. They got out of the first round just once. And over the final four seasons, as a Nick, he had 117 wins compared to 211 losses. So that's a lot of losses. I mean, people start to lose their patience after a while, you know. Guy, players get unhappy, you know, fans, whoever, the team, they want them, they want them turn things around at some point but he he wants to win though you know he is is tired of being reminded that he hasn't won anything and he did waive an eight million dollar trade kicker to make this trade possible so now it's just like how is he going to gel with Paul George and Russell Westbrook both of those players or three of them including Carmelo top 20 in the league in usage rate. So obviously some guys are going to have to make some sacrifices on the offensive end. And he's still a scorer. You know, he's still a prolific scorer. He can score from inside and outside. He can knock down his free throws. You know, he's been a good player. He was an all-star in each of his six full seasons with the Knicks. He scored uh, 24 points per game over that time, including 22 points per game last season. And... I mean, he knows what he's signing up for. He was willing to uh, include 
OKC on that list of teams that he was willing to go to, and he was willing to uh, waive the trade kicker. So, you know, he made it clear that he was willing to go play with these other two superstars. So he's been criticized in the past for not making his teammates any better, but he knows he's going to a situation where he's going to have to make sacrifices. You know, he knows what he's signing up for. He knows he's going to go play with Paul George and he's going to go play with Russell Westbrook. But at this point, it's like people have been criticizing him for not winning anything and I guess maybe being a little selfish. So he's basically saying by, you know, it appeared that he was going to go somewhere where he would try and win, go deep into the playoffs and be willing to make some sacrifices on the offensive end because he said he was willing to go to Houston. He was willing to go to the Cavs. He was willing to go to OKC. So he knows in all three of those situations that he's going to be playing with other great players. So he knows he's going to have to make that sacrifice and he's going to have to give up that trade kicker. You know, so I mean, whether he goes to play with like uh, Isaiah and Kevin Love and uh, LeBron James or whether it's uh, Chris Paul, James Harden, he knows he's going to have to make some sacrifices. You know, and it's a good uh, it's a good situation for him. You know, there'll be a lot of uncertainty with, uh, you know, guys like Paul George, Russell Westbrook following, you know, this upcoming season when that's all over. You know, what are those guys going to do? But, I mean, it's a it's a good uh, situation for him. If he wants to win and go deep in the playoffs, this is his opportunity to do that. I don't know how long that opportunity will last, depending on what happens next offseason. But... So, OKC, you know, a formidable team in the Western Conference. It really is. I, I was pretty excited about, as a basketball fan, being able to see Paul George and Russell Westbrook play in a very deep... Uh, Western Conference, and OKC appears to be committed to winning, going deep into the luxury tax, you know, trading for Carmelo Anthony, trading for Paul George. Obviously beating Golden State, it's still an uphill battle, but I mean, it's going to be a fun team to watch. Another great player going to the Western Conference, you know, OKC gets better. Of course, Houston gets better in the offseason. Golden State even finds a way to get better in the offseason after winning the NBA Finals, you know, easily over the Cleveland Cavaliers. But that's going to be a, a fun team to watch. And it's funny because the Knicks, obviously, <laughs> they're going to open the season versus Oklahoma City on October 19th. It's kind of funny how that works out. But we'll have to see how this team gels with their new big three. And I am a broadcast professional. And you know what? This is a smooth transition into how would the Celtics gel with their new players. This is something that Kyrie Irving talked about at the uh, Jersey unveiling event on Thursday. Kyrie says that it's going to take some time. Which makes sense, you know. People forget that. People forget that, you know, when you have so many new players, it takes time. You know, they may not come in and just smoke everybody in the league like from day one. You know, you're going to have to learn to play with new teammates. Going to have to learn to play for a new coach. Going to have to learn to, uh, you know, play in a new system. Kyrie's not dumb. He knows what that's like. I mean, he did it before. You know, back when uh, LeBron James made his return to Cleveland and the team added Kevin Love, you know, it took a little time to develop some chemistry. That team lost to the Knicks on opening night, and they started the season 
19 and 20. So obviously, it took a little time for that team to gel. Got off to a slow start, but obviously things worked out well for them. And people, you know, people overreact to everything. If the Celtics get off to a slow start, if they're like 500 after 10 games, it's people are so predictable. People are going to overreact. People are going to say the team's overrated. They're going to say the team sucks. So they're going to say like, you know, they're going to say Kyrie Irving can't be the leader of a basketball team, can't win without LeBron, whatever. They're going to say Gordon Hayward. They're going to say Gordon Hayward can't go to a major market like Boston. He can't handle the spotlight. You know, people are pre- are, are so predictable and they overreact to everything that happens. One loss and all of a sudden, you know, that means that everything has fallen apart and the team's not going to be any good. You know, then people will overreact and then a month later the team will be playing well and then, you know, and then obviously those people will will change their minds. I don't know. But uh, Kyrie says he does expect some ups and downs. And Kyrie says it's all about how you handle the ups and downs, especially when things aren't going well. It's how you respond to that. You know, can you block out that outside noise? And, you know, like I said, there's going to be a ton of that. Can you block that out and stay cool on the court? Can you stay cool in the locker room? Can you lose and still get along with your teammates? Can you lose and, and still, you know, trust the plan and trust Brad Stevens? Can you be a professional? You know, and if I was a player in the NBA, people seem to be so impressed with Brad Stevens, rightfully so. You know, he seems to be like he's the type of guy that players believe in. And they think, hey, if I do what this guy tells me, if we stick to it, you know, we're going to be a winning basketball team. Because look what he has done with the Celtics over the last four years. You know, it took a bunch of. You know, hardworking guys, gritty basketball players, but not necessarily the most skilled basketball players. You know, it, it's not like um, it's not like they had seven footers who just dominated the glass and protected the rim. It's not like outside of Isaiah Thomas, they had these other consistent scoring options and stuff like that. You know, it was that was one of the reasons why people liked that basketball team so much because they always played better than they were supposed to. They always got further into the playoffs than they were supposed to, you know. So, I mean, with this uh, current basketball team, people have said, are the Celtics even better than they were last season? Of course they're better than they were last season. They've got this great scoring combo that they didn't have over the last four years with Isaiah Thomas. That was one of the problems with the Boston Celtics. They would go to the playoffs, and everyone expected them to go to the playoffs, but nobody expected them to do any damage in the playoffs, you know. And people, when the playoffs came up, happened last year, people said, well, they could probably go to the Eastern Conference Finals, but, you know, it's inevitable. They're going to get pounded by the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they're going to be out of there, you know. And, I mean, that's what happened because they didn't have any consistent scoring options outside of Isaiah Thomas. If the Celtics didn't trade for Kyrie Irving, they still would have been a better basketball team because they would have had Gordon Hayward, and they would have had that second scoring option. As far as Isaiah Thomas being healthy, I don't know. No one really seems to know. No one really seems to know when he's going to be back. So, you know, let's just say for the sake of making the conversation simple, let's just say that Isaiah Thomas plays night one, 
They have Gordon Hayward. They're a better basketball team already with a 20-point score coming in from the Western Conference. A guy who is determined to win a championship and finish the job with Brad Stevens. They would have been a better team even without Kyrie Irving, but Kyrie is in. And uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, a guy who Steve Kerr just said, the uh, best, I think he said it was the best point guard outside of uh, Steph Curry. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how everything goes. They have some really interesting uh, people in the locker room, you know, getting back to will, how will the team gel? Because it's like not just on the court, but it's also in the locker room. You know, if they do get off to a slow start, if things aren't going well, and they do have to read all that crap on social media, hear people, you know, uh, watch an ESPN, whatever expert, you know, wants to sound off on the basketball team and say they're no good. Like, how are they going to react to that stuff? Are they going to get, you know, will they be disgruntled in the locker room? Will they not get along? Will people throw a fit, you know, temper tantrums, stuff like that? Is that going to happen? Obviously, you know, we hope not. It's certainly like, you know, like I said, you know, we're just used to players who really enjoy playing with and for one another. And then Kyrie Irving, you know, they didn't have a guy like that on the basketball team last year. Like his personality wise, he's an interesting dude. <laughs> he is uh, a complex guy. You know, I think he thinks about things a little bit differently than a lot of other people. So it'll be interesting to see, you know what happens with him, you know, in that leadership role, how he handles that, how other guys uh, respond to him. Celtics, uh, of course, losing for starters. You know, they lost Isaiah Thomas, who was, uh, you know, who's a great personality. I mean, Isaiah always had a smile on his face, you know, always happy to be playing basketball, seemed to be like a guy that people like being around. You know, he's gone, and then, you know, Avery Bradley gone as well. You know, another good locker room guy and just a good guy, period. You know, somebody who works hard, somebody who is committed to getting better at basketball and did get better at basketball every single year, you know, and was a guy who was there for his teammates when Isaiah's sister died. He was there for Isaiah. You know, so they had some good guys. They really did. They had some really good guys in the locker room. So it'll be interesting to see how this current group of players see how they get along, see how they handle adversity when things aren't going well. Uh, seven guys who were part of the rotation last year are gone. Seven of them. And I mean, they lost more players than seven, but I'm not including guys like Demetrius Jackson, Jordan Mickey, or James Young. So. I hope I don't offend all of those diehard Jordan Mickey fans out there. I know he's got quite the following. But uh, Kyrie Irving, he uh, he does have a relationship with uh, Jason Tatum. Those guys, they've known each other for years. They both played at Duke. They vacationed together this summer, did some team bonding um, at the Jersey unveiling. Uh, Kyrie called uh, Jason Tatum a bad dude, said the talent is through the roof. He also said he's kind of like uh, that uh, Tatum's kind of like his big little brother. 
which is funny to hear Kyrie Irving say that because he didn't seem to appreciate it when people called him LeBron James's little brother. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Kyrie says Jason Tatum is oozing with talent. I don't think that was a secret. You know, watching him play in Summer League was pretty special. Watching him play, um, or, you know, watching him take those, you know, low percentage shots and just knock them down, like, over and over again. You know, those one-footed fadeaways? Those were sick, man. Those were sick. Like, he shows an ability to create space for himself and create shots for himself at such a young age, you know, to come into the NBA as a kid and to be able to create shots for yourself like that, to be able to do something that, like, so many guys in the NBA who have been in the NBA for years can't do, and he's already making shots like this. It's, you know, pretty special. Obviously, he's got, you know, a lot of work to do. Uh, he's got to extend the range. Didn't shoot many threes in summer league. This is the NBA. This is the Boston Celtics. You're going to have to be able to shoot some threes, you know. And it seemed like he went to that fadeaway jumper over and over and over again too. It's like you're not going to be able to do that as frequently as he did uh, during summer league. So, uh, yeah, Jason Tatum. Really looking forward to uh, to watching him play. You know, I think maybe at the very least he'll be like a little bit of a spark off the bench. Uh, offensively, you know, he's going to have to bulk up a little bit. You know, he's projected as a power forward at some point, so he'll have to put on some weight. Um, you know, Danny Ainge said recently, and I don't think that this is like, probably ain't nothing new. It's not nothing we didn't think about already, but Danny Ainge said uh, it's unlikely that he's rookie of the year. You know, uh, that's more likely to go to a team that's playing their rookies you know, uh, a, a young player who's going to have to play a ton because his team may not have any other options. You know, um, Markel Fultz is a pretty good example. You know, going to get major minutes right away. Lonzo Ball, uh, he's another good example. But uh, Jason Tatum, somebody that I'm definitely looking forward to uh, watching. And Celtics are going to be a lot of fun to watch. They've added a lot of skill um, in the offseason, a lot of skill offensively. Uh, they've added a lot of versatile wings, a lot of guys with size and length and guys who can play multiple positions and they can defend multiple positions. So it should be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, they should be scoring a lot of points. And the Celtics are, you know, training camp. It's going to kick off on Monday, so we're getting close. Things are getting closer and closer. Boy, it just seems like the season just ended like not too long ago. You know, and I, I think like it didn't end that long ago, but like there's been so much news out of the NBA and not just with the Celtics. There's been so much going on that it's constantly been there's there's like for so long. There have been so many things to talk about with the NBA, so many new stories that it just seems like the season just ended. And I mean, really, it didn't end all that long ago, but we still continue to talk about it, you know, to the point where it's like, I can't believe the season is. It's like it never took a break. It's like it never stopped. And now the season is coming back. Media Day is on Monday, so we'll get to uh, hear some press conferences. Some new players, maybe uh, Kyrie, maybe uh, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, um, Jalen Brown, who's an interesting young dude. Jalen Brown's got a ton of confidence. 
so ambitious. He makes people like me feel lazy, which I am. I already knew that. It doesn't. It doesn't take Jason. It, it doesn't take following Jalen Brown to make me realize that I'm lazy, you know. But he's got big plans, you know. He wants to be uh, the head of the players' union at some point, you know. I think he plays like guitar and plays chess, and he's just a really smart dude. So, I mean, he's going to be a leader. But uh, we'll see those press conferences, which should be pretty cool. We'll hear again from Danny. We've heard a lot from Danny in the offseason with so many acquisitions. It's like Danny is always in front of uh, reporters, you know. And now we're kind of focused from, you know, talking about making these acquisitions. And Danny, why did you trade Avery? Danny, why did you trade Isaiah? We're going to go from conversations like that to how is the team coming along? You know, uh, how is Kyrie playing? Is he that complete point guard that can make other people around him better? You know, how is Gordon Hayward playing? How is how about the young guys? Are you how much are we going to see out of Shemi Ojale? You know, what about uh, Gershon Yabusele? You know, do we have enough bigs? How is Daniel Tice, who I'm very interested in seeing? He didn't play summer league for the Celtics. And I don't watch a lot of German basketball, so I haven't seen much of him other than outside of highlights. But I got to tell you, the highlights that are online of Daniel Tice, he looks pretty sick. The guy's just got like super athleticism. I'm pretty excited about it. A lot of like dunks where he gets way up there above the rim. There's that one highlight of him stuffing uh, Ante Zizic like 27 times in a row under the basket. It's pretty, pretty funny. Uh, but uh, following media day on Monday, the Celtics will kick off uh, three days worth of uh, practices beginning Tuesday at Salve Regina High School or high school, Salve Regina University in Newport, Rhode Island, an absolutely beautiful campus. And then after those three days, uh, starting on Friday, they'll be at the training facility in Waltham. And then uh, the following Monday, it's the first preseason game of the year, taking on the Hornets at the TD Garden. So we're getting really close. So it's that following Monday, which basically means a week from Monday. Celtics basketball is going to be making its return, which is going to be difficult for me because obviously pretty obsessed with the fantasy football. And if they're going to be playing on Monday night, I hope I don't have any guys going in that Monday night game because that means I'm just going to have to. I mean, if, if it's not the Patriots, I can't justify watching a football game just for the sake of following my fantasy team when the Celtics are on. So things are about to get a little complicated for a little while. I do have the DVR. So that's going to come in awfully handy. And my my cable bill is like $140 a month. So I'm going to make sure I freaking get my money's worth, which is ridiculous. Like, I mean, high-speed internet, standard, or not like basic, standard internet is $70 a month just for basic, just for standard, not high speed. So, and then the DVR and the cable is 70 bucks, which isn't bad, but when you obviously you combine the two of them, it's $140. Uh, but, uh, Celtics basketball coming right up one week from Monday, first, uh, preseason game. Here's some Gerald green news. Gerald green has agreed to a deal with the Milwaukee bucks He's going to have to compete with uh, Brandon Rush for that final roster spot. But uh, Gerald Green, 
Uh, I had fun watching Gerald Green. You know, he uh, you know didn't get like major minutes every night during the regular season, but he would come in and kind of be a spark at times. He would be, um, you know, a jolt offensively, obviously, versus uh, Chicago. That was the case in the playoffs. Uh, things were pretty brutal for the Celtics there over the first two games. Things did not appear to be going very well. So they yanked Mir Johnson out of the starting lineup, put in Gerald Green. Gerald flashes that athleticism and that scoring ability. Uh, I believe that first game that he played, he played extremely well. Uh, but, you know, Brad said they put him in just for that athleticism, extra scoring, help the team space the floor. So, I mean, that's when things started to turn around for the Celtics in that series when they put him into the starting lineup. Of course, I am leaving out one important part, which is that Rashawn Rondo got hurt. Oh, whatever. Uh, so, Gerald Green, so much fun to watch, you know. The sick dunks. This guy's 31 years old, and he's still got, like, ridiculous hops, man. The alley-oop versus Toronto, which is pretty slick. I think it was a pass from uh, Isaiah Thomas. He also had that put-back dunk over uh, Mason Plumley. You know, this guy gets way above the rim. And he's a cool guy, too. He's got a great personality. People seem to really like him. He's a really good locker room guy. And he's a great cheerleader, too, on the sideline. Always up there trying to get guys fired up and stuff like that. So he's always, you know, a part of the game even when he's not on the floor. Uh, one final uh, rumor, I guess. Um, Jalil Okafor. 76ers openly shopping Jalil Okafor. Uh, Celtics... There have been these rumors for a long time that the Celtics are interested in Jalil Okafor. Obviously, they could use a guy like that with great size and length. They need bigs badly. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how of a fit it is. He's not like one of those modern stretch-the-floor bigs. He's a traditional big man. And the Celtics were just a terrible rebounding team last year. And he's not a strong rebounder. You know, he's not a rim protector. He's not known as a great defender. So I'm not sure how much of a fit Jalil Okafor is for the Celtics. And the thing is, is that like they got to move guys around. They're in the luxury tax. So they're going to have to, they're going to have to do some maneuvering here with the roster uh, to bring in a guy like Jalil Okafor, you know, make some moves and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe if they trade some dudes at the end of the bench, they might be trading players that they were hoping to use. Like, I mean, what happens if to clear cap space, they start thinking like, oh, we're going to have to trade like, uh, you know, Gershon Yabusele or uh, Shemi Ojale or something like that. You don't, I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to trade some of those guys at the end of the bench when you were uh, hoping on using those guys. So, but, you know, we'll have to see what happens with uh, Jalil Okafor. Of course, they could really use a big man. Uh, they got Al Horford. They got Aaron Baines, who was uh, a good offseason acquisition. They got Marcus Morris, who can play the four, you know. Got the young guys that I've talked about, like uh, Tice and Yabusele and Ojale. So, but, you know, people were talking about how thin they were, you know, with the bigs before the Kyrie Irving trade, and then they trade away Ante Zizic. 
Uh, they trade away Jay Crowder, who was expected to get a pl- ton of playing time at the four out of necessity. You know, I mean, he's a good player, too, obviously. He can stretch the floor. He can shoot. He's got uh, a strong frame. He's very physical, you know. And that was something people were looking forward to is seeing, you know, someone like Marcus Morris be a physical basketball player. You know, Aaron Baines being physical, playing with guys like uh, Marcus Smart, Jay Crowder. But, uh, yeah, uh, Jay Crowder, Ante Zizic. Those guys are no longer here. They are out of here, just like practically everybody else from uh, last season's team. All right, uh, that's it for me. Merrick Vandenbosch uh, will be talking more about the Celtics, and obviously the podcast will you know, we'll do it more consistently on a weekly basis once things pick up a little bit. And, you know, I promise to uh, not be so damn focused on fantasy. But, you know, this week's important. Just please, please let me be, beat Mark this week. That's it. That's all I ask. Fantasy gods. That's all I ask. All right, that's it for me, Celtics Pod. I'll be back. Take it easy.